Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? How are we doing? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Hopefully everyone is having a great Tuesday, if that's when you're listening. Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. I'm recording this after the Monday night it's not a doubleheader because there's a gap between the two games. The the multi-game night. Eagles win. We'll discuss that. Uh, Bengals win as well. Joe Burrow guts it out. Tough, tough dude, man. We, we will talk about the Bengals and the Rams and then dive into some other stuff. Obviously, I, I recorded the podcast as I do every Sunday with Colin. You can check that out. And uh, we'll have a bunch of podcasts this week. Keep it rolling because that's what we do. It's football season. And uh, a lot of stuff going on. So we, we will discuss today some other stuff. Zach Wilson, Jordan Love, uh, coordinators, Sean Payton. Might have screwed up that one. Uh, and as well as the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMs. Got a lot of DMs. I'm just going to try to get to them all throughout the week. Appreciate everyone that interacts. Love you guys uh, for doing that. And three and out. Make sure you, if you listen on Collins feed, make sure you subscribe to the three and out feed thevolume.com. Go check it out. We got some lids. I'm wearing my three and out hat right now. Uh, Flex fit feels good on my head, so let's rock and roll, baby. A lot going on right now as we head into week four. Week four, this season's flying by. Do you want to go to an NFL game? I mean, you got a lot of games left, but for some of you guys, depending on where you live, you want to go before it gets super cold because we're like a month away from some of those Northeast teams, some of those Midwest teams. It gets awfully chilly. Well, I got you. Go to your app store and download the Game Time app. They're the official ticketing app of the Three and Out podcast. And they are because you guys have hammered the promo code John. 
So when you go to an event, when you go to a concert, when you go to anything, and you sign up for your first pair of tickets, when you use the promo code JOHN at checkout, you get $20 off. So it's really easy to use interactive maps that include the price points where you want to sit at any given event. And uh, go have a good time. College football, you live on the West Coast, you want to watch prime time. You live on the East Coast, you want to watch, probably not Zach Wilson. Whoever you want to watch, use Game Time Concerts, Comedy Shows as well. Promo code JOHN. While this game was the early game, I would say it had the headlighting team from the night. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles, who go 3-0 and to join the Miami Dolphins and the 49ers as the only undefeated teams left in the NFL, which I, I don't have my record books up, but only three teams left on September 25th. Like a lot of teams are going down left and right, right? <laughs> Usually it feels like we got more than this going into October, but we got the Eagles, we got the Dolphins, and we got the 49ers. And my number one takeaway from the night, and we'll dive into a little deeper and Jalen, their offensive play calling, which has been a hot topic in Philadelphia. I thought tonight was a muscle flex by Howie Roseman. I mean, that team is so talented, it's stupid. To get Jalen Carter at pick nine, and we talked about this around the draft, right? There were a lot of teams that were not equipped to take him. They weren't falling far enough long in their development. Teams like the Detroit Lions, the Atlanta Falcons, it was too big of a risk. But the Eagles, because of the way they've been built from Howie, and really his entire front office, they've been one of the better front offices for a long time now, there aren't many GMs who are true power brokers in the league. And when I say that, I mean, when you look at most teams, their head coach is the ultimate decision maker, even if they're very tight with the GM. Andy Reid and Brett Veach, it's like a father and son. The relationship that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are tied at the hip. Yet at the end of the day, if it really comes down to it, the guy in charge is the one making 15, 17, 18 million dollars, the head coach. Yet in Philadelphia, the guy in charge is Howie. And you saw tonight Jalen Carter, who I saw this stat toward the end of the game. I mean, that guy looked like a man out there playing Tampa, who has a lot of big time players. His talent is just completely freakish. We knew that, but they were equipped to pull the trigger when the draft came. And it's, you know, reaping its reward right now because. Only Javon Hargrave, who was just on the Eagles, has more pressures from a defensive tackle position. Like, this guy already is trending toward being a star. DeAndre Swift. Like, I, I liked what the Lions did. They moved on from him. They took a guy who's going to be a really good player. But Howie Roseman got that guy. They flip-flop picks in the 200s. I'm sorry, I don't care about picks in the 200s. And he gave him a fourth-round pick. In 2025, you see how good that guy has been these last two weeks for him? It's clear they found their established starting running back now who is shining for them to go along with two-star wide receivers. And I think one thing Howie does a really good job of, and Belichick did this forever, is not worrying about what I paid for the guy. Because in the NFL, you're either paying a guy in free agency or you're acquiring a guy with you know draft equity, and you're paying him that way whether it's your first-round pick, a trade for picks. If it's not working for your franchise, just like in a lot of industries, it becomes a sunk cost. But in football, unlike I think a lot of industries, because you're dealing with people, like the asset is the person you go, I drafted this guy. 
So many GMs. Listen, most people listening, their team has held on to a guy for way too long. When it's clear, it's not working. Jalen Rager, awful pick. Well, what do they do basically a year later? They pivot, they trade him, they get A.J. Brown. They're not afraid to not only wave the white flag, say they were wrong, and move on. And this organization right now, from a talent standpoint, is just incredibly deep. It it really is. At the line of scrimmage, they dominate. Their skill positions are sweet. Blankenship, this guy's making plays. I'm like, who is this? Small school guy, undrafted free agent, made the team last year as a special teamer, and has moved into a starting role. Texting some people on the staff, they're like, yeah, we love the guy. Smart, tough. Fits right in. <laughs> Undrafted free agent starting for the Eagles. So it's it's premium players like Jalen Carter, Swift, once upon a time, a relatively high pick from Georgia, right, to A.J. Browns and Devontae Smith. And then you got undrafted free agents. That's an organization that's on the same page with a ton of talent. And it's just going to come down to, there were moments tonight, not trying to overreact, where it still looks like he's working it out. And that'd be the quarterback. He made a couple throws today. A bit, his first touchdown pass where he kind of evaded, uh, avoided some pressure, stepped up and threw a dime to a guy I honestly don't really know much about. It wasn't AJ or Devontae. You're like, okay, that's the guy. Then there were a lot of plays that go, that's not exactly the MVP version. So this feels like a player because their talent on their team, Super Bowl worthy. They can win it all. We all knew that in the offseason. Their roster was so deep. It's going to come down to, he played a Super Bowl winning game, right? against the Chiefs. His defense let him down. But the player they have right now at quarterback is still working out the kinks. He looks like a guy who played zero snaps in the preseason and is rusty. And really this month of September, their their next game included, probably going to look like that. I think where they're betting is we'll, we will hit our stride November, December. He can get back to playing that level and we can make our Super Bowl run. You see, because the Cowboys, I mean, they're losing at Arizona. We don't plan on doing that. And we don't think the 49ers will either. So now we're kind of looking at it, the hierarchy, assuming Jalen kind of gets it rolling again. I'm not saying he was bad tonight, but I think we have to acknowledge he doesn't look like his MVP self tonight. I know he didn't win the MVP last year, but let's face it, he probably would have if he didn't get hurt. And I just haven't quite seen that guy. You've seen glimpses and you saw him tonight against Tampa, but it's hard if you're an Eagles fan to know the talent on our team you know, the cream always rises. And the key is if, if Jalen can just keep his head on straight in that unit, that guy's an unblockable force with other really good defenders. And obviously they got good DBs. The offensive skill positions are just loaded. And the quarterback, you just he's a guy who's proven over and over he's a guy you bet on. So if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be feeling pretty good. And on the flip side, like, listen, Tampa's weird. I, I picked them to suck this year. Might be wrong. Because clearly, if their guys don't get injured, they have a lot of high-end players. But I think you saw tonight, like, at the end of the day, their head coach and their quarterback are probably perfectly suited to be number twos. I think Baker Mayfield, I thought one of Collins' crazy takes this offseason was he should retire and go work at, like, uh, Fox or, you know, or one of the networks and be a college football star. And he'll eventually do that. But I don't think, no matter how up and down your career is, as a NFL player, it impacts your stardom once you go into media about college, right? Now, Baker, through the first two weeks, looked a lot better. Tonight, he kind of looked like the old Baker Mayfield. And that's usually what backup players, even good backups, they're backup for a reason. They have highs, and then they have lows. They can't sustain really good play, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road. 
You start playing better teams, you get exposed. So tonight, like, pretty average player. That doesn't diminish what he did the first couple weeks. I think pretty sure a week ago they played the Bears, who we all know looks like a, you know, JV high school team. So Todd Bowles was around him in Philly. I'm a big fan of the guy. And as a defensive coordinator, I think he's elite. He's proven when he's the defensive coordinator for Bruce Arians, he is, if not the best, a top two or three guy. Not everyone's meant to be a head coach. And I think over the course of time, when you have a coordinator and you have a backup quarterback, no matter how much talent, Evans is a stud. Godwin's a stud. Vita is a stud. Devin White, not sure why he ran out of bounds on his interception. I, I never got a great look. I was kind of, I was doing something. And I, I look over, the pick happens. I was waiting for a replay. They didn't show a good replay. Of felt like he could have got some more yards, uh, but that's topic for a different day. Winfield, like they got players. I just don't know if they're going to be good enough at the quarterback and head coaching position. Now, they play the Saints this week. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine if I had to take an educated guess right now, Jameis Winston plays. I know Dennis Allen said they're not going to rule out Derek Carr, who has the AC sprain, avoided the broken collarbone, which I, I think most of us thought was on the table. But that's a big game. And even with Jameis, especially at New Orleans, uh, I, I'm going to take the Saints. Let's go to the second game. One thing you learn in scouting and being around a team and players is the impact of intangibles, right? My mom can see that Jamar Chase can break a tackle or Aaron Donald is unblockable when he gets, you know, a good get off, right? Or Mike Evans can make incredible catches. Like most people can see that. The thing that's hard to judge and it's why so many teams are better than other teams at not just acquiring players in the draft, but building a team, is understanding the personalities, the character of guys. And I don't mean character like looking you in the eye, shaking your hand, saying please and thank you, opening the door for women. I I'm talking about like football discipline, everyday grinding, having a passion for it, and doing everything humanly possible to play at all times. That's, that's what separates the good from the great. Right, A lot of people have a lot of talent in the NFL. Some clearly have more. Like There are only so many Trent Williams or Lane Johnsons. But for the most part, a lot of guys that start, the margin and the difference between you know a really solid starter and a Pro Bowl guy isn't that different. And I think you saw tonight, you know, a lot of people have been making fun of Joe Burrow and the contract because he got paid and then he immediately looks crappy, then he gets injured, and it's like they're taking their money back. When you fully believe in a human being, you have no problem going through some shitty times. It's like the first couple games with Jalen Hurts. I promise you this, the Eagles ain't worried because they believe in the guy. Same thing with the Bengals. And I saw a guy tonight, He, I thought he played a little bit better as the game went on, who probably shouldn't have been out there, who clearly looks like a guy who's not close to being a 100%. But this is not the NBA where you use every excuse not to play. This is football. You only get so many spots, and guys have to be dragged off the field. And Joe Burrow, it felt like three or four days ago, like, no chance, they're going to have to go with the backup. And by about 24 hours ago, it's like, ah, well, keep your eye. This guy just won't be denied. And early on the night, you're like, why is he even out there? Well, he's out there because that's the type of guy you want to pay. Football means everything to him. I always love when people in the media – complain around draft time when anonymous scouts talk about like, you know, he's got too much of a balanced life. He likes two other things. Obviously, people like their family 
and may like to fish or golf on the side. But when I'm thinking about paying a guy a hundred, 150, $200 million, I would like them to be obsessed with the thing I'm paying them for. And you saw tonight, Joe Burrow, dude, dude, eat, breeze, and sleeps football. And that is an old school mentality, even at quarterback. And I think when you look at the top guys, there was a moment this weekend, I was staying at my mom's house and I don't know how you guys do it. You, you people with only one TV, I'm trying to watch four games. I got a computer out, an iPad out. My mom's only got one TV. She doesn't have YouTube TV. I'm trying to keep up with everything. Cause I know I got to talk to Colin, got to stay locked in. And I, I go to the back to grab something and I come out. The, the Chiefs are just blowing out the bears. My mom's goes, Mahomes got hurt. He got hurt. And I'm like, are you serious? So then I immediately go to Twitter, see him limping around. Of course he comes back out and keeps playing, <laughs> you know? And that's, we've seen that with his dislocated knee. He only missed Josh Allen, toughness, Lamar Jackson, toughness. Uh, I, I think, I think Justin Herbert's proven to be a very tough player. I need the top guy that I'm going to pay an astronomical amount of money. Jalen Hurts falls under this category as well to arguably the toughest guy on my team. You saw tonight, like no one has ever questioned Matt Stafford. He tonight got the living shit kicked out of him. It felt like the Bengals had 27 sacks. He got peppered and he just keeps getting back up. Now we can argue he can get erratic. Look like on his first pick, he's trying to throw like a no look pass. Like, Matt, just throw it to your teammates. But you can never, ever question the guy's toughness. Last year, when his elbow's messed up and he's not playing, you know he's really, really injured. And that's what I want on my star quarterback. Toughness, and I've been saying this for a while in this podcast, is not something we talk about fast enough when we discuss quarterback attributes. And it has to be near the top of the list. Obviously, you can't play if you're not accurate, if you don't see the field, if you don't have the football IQ. But if you ain't one of the toughest motherfuckers in the league, you ain't going to make it very far. <laughs> there there ain't many softies playing that position who are good. Just not the way it works. And I, I think Joe Burrow, must-win situation for the Bengals, just kind of went like 1993. <laughs> and that, that's uh, I, I still enjoy that, even though his performance in the game wasn't that enjoyable, sloppy game. But I have a lot of respect for that guy. And I know the Bengals definitely do too. And like the Rams, like I don't really know what to make of them. Uh, based on the first two weeks, I'm like, they're clearly a lot better if Stafford's healthy, slinging around. And then you watch tonight now on the road against a desperate team, him just getting killed. I, I thought he was just kind of all over the map. The picks, I know one pick got tipped. But God, when he's a little off, he can just, the ball ends up in the other team's hands a lot. And th this team isn't as talented as some of the past teams to make up for that. Because if they were just on, they should have been up pretty big early in the game. I mean, Burrow, the first several drives looked horrendous. But so does Stafford. And they couldn't block him. And I, I don't care who you are. You could be one of the toughest guys in the league. Stafford is. If I hit you over and over, it, it's going to rattle you. It's the number one thing these coaches and these defensive coaches and these defensive line coaches talk about in these meetings. Hit the quarterback. Because if you hit them, I don't care if we're playing Favre, Montana, Marino, or Elway in their prime. If we're hitting them over and over, they're not going to play as well. Just a basic element of the sport of football. And that uh, they got after them. Now, I'm not ready to write off the Rams, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, they're probably a little more average than closer to a playoff team. But who knows? They're still missing one of the best wide receivers in the league. My question is, 
he has a serious hamstring injury. Is Cooper Cup going to come back and just look like the same Cooper Cup? Or does he look like a shell of himself? I, you know, We'll have to see that question answered whenever he does return. And is he a lock to return just off the four weeks of the pup? I don't think we know any of that information, but Aaron Donaldson looks sweet. Uh, I'll tell you that. I'll promise you this. If the season ever did go sideways and they did want to unload and kind of reset, <laughs> dude have a pretty big market. Uh, so, so Bengals get a, a much-needed win. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code JOHN, J-O-H-N. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. With code JOHN, J-O-H-N, the crown is yours. <laughs> I was thinking about something today with Zach Wilson because a headline today, Joe Namath said he's seen enough, disgusted watching Zach Wilson. The moment you know the quarterback is not the guy when you've drafted him high, you have to remove him from the situation. And the longer you don't remove him from the situation, you find yourself in the Jets situation. Last year, it was clear this guy, we can't win with the player. And the only reason they kind of kept going back to him when the team's wearing shirts of Mike White is because he was the second overall draft pick. If Zach Wilson had been a third-round pick, the loyalty would not have been nearly to that level, right? And then this year, after the team had turned on the guy, obviously once you get Rodgers, and it was clear they were inevitably going to get him, at minimum, they should have brought in a legit backup to push him but honestly, probably just removed him from the situation. Now, that's easier said than done. I think when you look at the 49ers, I said this from the moment they signed Sam Darnold on the first day of free agency and Brandon Allen, who was Burrow's backup, didn't come that much longer, was like, guys, they're done with Trey Lance. Well, if you're done with the player and you can't really trade him then, you have to bring in contingency plans. Because this is not defensive line. And we've seen a lot of highly drafted defensive linemen not become good. Happens at, you know, a lot of wide receiver. Happens at a lot of positions. Well, you can rotate in and out. So you're not dependent on that guy. Well, when you came into the season, and this is why the 49ers traded Trey Lance. They couldn't make him their backup quarterback because they could never have one snap, Purdy on the ground, he goes into the game. Because then they got serious problems. Now, Sam Darnold, they still probably, you know, who knows? He's not as good as Purdy. Maybe he's better. We might never know. But they believe that Sam Darnold is way better than Trey Lance. And so they got rid of Trey Lance, right? This team went into the season with an older quarterback that it's football. At any moment, like, freakish things happen. Derek Carr slammed on the ground, hurts his shoulder. Last night, Mahomes, end of the half, rolls up on his ankle. Jimmy Garoppolo, Sunday night, holding his legs, bent back. Fuck, I don't care how quote-unquote soft the league has become from the 70s and 80s, it still can be violent, and guys still get injured. And at quarterback, unlike all these other positions, you are one snap away from being the full-time starter again. And the Jets only have themselves to blame. 
because they refused to, you know, the, the, the emotion and the ties they had to that pick, who cares that you drafted them second three years ago? It is irrelevant now. You held on. You're in this situation. This is your own doing. It's not anyone's fault Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Freak deal. Maybe the turf, maybe not. Depends who you listen to. But it is your fault that Zach Wilson is the backup. That is 100% on the Jets. So as this season continues to get very ugly, because the guy I watched, and I was watching a lot of that game, just because I was like, Belichick's really going to beat them for the 15th straight time? And he was cruising to a victory. And there was a play late in the game, Garrett Wilson running right across the field on like a drag route, and he didn't even get it close to him. And there are just basic elements to his, you know, passing attack. When the ball leaves his hand, you have zero faith that it's going to get remotely close to where he's trying to throw. And then there's a lot of other running into sacks. It's not, obviously their offensive line is a work in progress, but Zach Wilson just isn't good, right? We know. And the team had to know. The problem is they didn't want to see it because they're too emotionally tied to the guy. Who cares? It's part of being a great executive is not being that tied emotionally to anybody. The guy better be a star if you're going to be emotionally tied to him. But when he proves he's not that good, like, the sport's hard. A lot of guys aren't that good at that position. Just because you use a second pick, like, you got to have a better backup. And there were a ton of better backup opportunities out there. And they refused to do it. So they're in this situation by their own doing. And speaking of by their own doing, this team gets a lot of respect, man. Because I was traveling today, so I had the opportunity... I wasn't at my office till about four or five in the afternoon to listen to a lot of other podcasts and just hear what the people were saying. And and one pretty consistent theme on the Packer Saints game. It's like, you know, gonna give the Packers some credit, but Carr got injured. So it's hard to know if they would have won. And listen, I, I agree, I guess. But the Saints defense has nothing to do with Derek Carr. The Saints defense has been excellent all season. It wasn't till garbage time last week when they allowed a touchdown to the Panthers. And they were shutting out the Packers through three quarters. So through four, eight, 11 quarters of football in 2023, they had allowed one touchdown and a two-point conversion. Their defense was lights out. And whether Derek was on the field or Jameis was on the field, they were dominating. And Jordan Love, man, and I've said this over and over, the chances, I I bet against this working, just because history. You you go from Favre to Rodgers to just another good player. When I was growing up, I've told this story before, and if you're my age, you watched it. Montana Young to Garcia. That's an incredible run. If your third quarterback is Garcia, a guy that's going to make Pro Bowls, you celebrate it. And the chances that he could even just be a fringe Pro Bowler, just the history would say it's slim to none. And I'm not even saying he's going to be. But you can't learn how to close deals in a classroom. You can't learn at practice just because in training camp, I throw up fourth quarter, we're down four, no timeouts, a minute 20 left. How to actually do that in the game. You can rep stuff. You can try stuff. You can practice stuff. But but I've always been a big believer, and this is what we our motto is at Cal Poly. Some say it's the Harvard of the West. Learn by doing. And the way you learn by doing in football is to play. And I don't know how he's going to look when shit hits the fan or things aren't going well. You know, I thought in the Falcons game, didn't play as great down the stretch. This game, it looked really ugly. I was ready to go, God, I don't know if this is going to work. And they're missing Aaron Jones. Watson hasn't played yet this season. 
They got a ton of other guys. Their inactive list looked like uh, some of the better players Aaron Rodgers played with. And this dude made plays, man. Made plays with his legs. Uh, the, the game-winning touchdown he made. I mean, he had the the first touchdown he made with his legs was awesome. The two-point conversion was sweet. Looked like Aaron Rodgers. The touchdown back shoulder pass kind of looked like Rodgers. Now, to be a good player in the NFL, it's not about doing it one time. Zach Wilson last year against the Steelers had one good game. It's about doing it over and over and over. And that's just to become a good player, right? That's just to become Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, like a guy somewhere 10 to 15. To be a star, you got to have elite performances 80-90% of the time. So for this guy just to prove he can be your long-term starter, long way to go. But I say that's a big like kind of check mark. Fourth quarter should not go on well against a really good defense at home. You know, fans probably getting a little squirrely. Make play after play after play, legs, arms. If just the eye test, you don't need to be, you know, John Schneider here or Les Snead to watch that guy and then watch some of these other quarterbacks go, oh, he's way better than all those other guys that were drafted the last couple of years. The Fields, the Zach Wilsons, the Trey Lances, like there's way more to work with there. Now, can he do it over and over? Only time will tell. But I, I thought that was a really impressive win, a really impressive. There was a moment after they scored the touchdown, the two-pointer, I think to get it 17 to, what the score have been? 17 to 11, where LaFleur comes over. And this is what we talk about all the time. The difference between defensive head coaches and offensive head coaches. A defensive head coach, no matter how good the guy is, can give raw, raw speeches, can give me some fist pumps. But they don't impact the scheme, the, the play calling. And there is something special when your head coach is the offensive coordinator which essentially makes him also kind of the quarterback coach. Like it's all, you know, bundled under one kind of area, even though you have a quarterback coach, you got other position coaches, but like I'm the one calling the plays. I talked to the quarterback and the floor went right over and boom, pulled out another drive. That was, that was a big time win. A couple more things. Coordinators really matter. By the time you've heard this, everyone's talked a bunch of shit about Denver and them giving up 70 points as well as they should. And McDaniel looks like, I mean, I don't even, his team looks like a video game right now. But one thing happened between the two guys this offseason. Mike McDaniel, because when he got hired, didn't have that much juice. Like, not many people were going to hire him. Different guy, definitely doesn't look the part, doesn't speak like other coaches. Uh, He was not a lock to get an NFL job, especially as quickly as he got it. So when he got hired last year at Miami, I'm pretty sure the organization forced him to keep the defensive coordinator. Rightfully so. They got rid of Flores. Their defense was really good. Last year, their defense was a joke. So he needed, he fired his defensive coordinator. Needed a guy. Sean Payton knew he was going into a job, right? Or at least had visions of returning. So when you have visions of returning and you're a guy like Sean Payton, your staff, like, you got a pretty good idea of some core pieces. And one thing Sean Payton really wanted to do, he said they had been talking about it and the plan was for them to work together, was to hire Vic Fangio. And obviously, once he accepts the Denver job, Fangio was never going to take that defensive coordinator job. He had literally just got fired from them, right? And Sean Payton, I, I looked at some quotes today, had admitted as such in early February. I think it was at the Combine or maybe right before the Combine. He said, listen, I tried to twist his arm. I, I basically begged him to come, but he just wasn't going to do it. He just, he'd been relieved of his duties a year before. And to me, like when you take that job, if you're Sean Payton, you got to have a pretty good idea. This guy's never coming here. So who's going to be my next best option? And it didn't really feel like he had one. 
Because I bet in his mind, this entire football season, maybe he didn't know he was going to go to Denver. Maybe they made him too good of an offer to refuse on his own when they gave him $90, $100 million. But Vic Fangio is going to be his D.C. And then he goes to Denver, and Vic Fangio like, bro, I'm not going there. And McDaniel hires Vic Fangio. Because listen, now, I didn't know, just like anybody, that he could score 70 points. Who, who in a million years would guess you could score 70 points? I think, and I was thinking about today walking the dog, if I was a team, if I was a coach, if I was a fan, I would rather lose 50 to 3, 55 to 3, than 70 to 20. Because even if you get in the low 50s, that's still multiple more touchdowns, two or three more touchdowns to get to that 70 number. And here's the other thing. And I know McDaniel, they asked him why he didn't kick the field goal to break the record. Listen, if you told me the record happened in the 80s or the 90s, it would hold more weight to me. I'm not trying to act like Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays couldn't play just because they played in the 50s or 60s. But I'm sorry, 1966 football, like there's, it's not really comparable. Having 70 points scored on you in 2023 is dramatically worse than what happened in 1966 and should be the new NFL record. Because that is something you never forget. And this gets back to Sean Payton. So once he couldn't get Vic Fangio, he hires Vance Joseph. Sean, have you watched this guy coach? Do you guys share an agent? How does this make any sense? What do you think is going to happen when Vance Joseph is your defensive coordinator? I understand. Like, your your plan was to get Fangio. What You had to have a backup plan because you knew other people were going to be begging for his services. And I credit Mike, who, listen, I'm not trying to like act like the 70-20 game was about Fangio, but in the macro perspective here, Vic Fangio is going to do wonders and give Mike a chance to win games like this week against the Buffalo Bills and a hot Josh Allen again. Playoff games against Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not even just about individual games. It's about what it's going to do for you this year, next year, for the next several years. Look at Andy Reid ever since he went back to Spagnola. Their defense now is arguably one of, if not the best in the league, at least through three games, depending on what metric you look at. So having a high-end defensive coordinator when you're the offensive play caller, think about this during the week. You're not only leading meetings, you are game planning. You're the guy calling the plays. So the amount of time you spend during the week on offense, I would say is even skewed that it would be for a CEO level head coach because it's on you come game day. So guys like Sean Payton, Mike McDaniel, look at, I give a lot of credit to Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. They hire really good coordinators. When uh, Sean McVay got hired, what did he do? Hired Wade Phillips, right? Then he, what does he do? Goes with Brandon Staley, who for whatever reason had a really good year. What does he do now? Raheem Morris. I watched the Rams defense playing really well. Kyle Shanahan, Sala, D'Amico, Wilkes. Like, that's who you're going to hire? They're going to give you $90, $100 million? You're going to go with Vance Joseph? Who, think about this, he also was the Broncos head coach and fired. Now, he's a Colorado guy, so I guess it's a little different, like going home. A little more time in between stints, but still. That's what I, I mean, you can talk shit about Sean Payton about a lot of things. Gutless effort from his team. But, like, that's who you're going to, you know, pin your success on? Because you're going to need him. Because you have nothing to do with defense. I've seen you with bad defenses. Like, you are very, your success as a team is very predicated on who the guy is coached on that side of the ball. So, Sean Payton's got serious issues. And last but not least, uh, the Bills and the Chiefs are coming. It shows you sometimes, and listen, we're all human. You wait nine months for week one. Week one happens. Chiefs lose. The Bills lose. 
both in prime time spots. Chiefs have a million drops. Kelsey's on the sideline. Chris Jones is up with the two mafia guys. The, the Bills, Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles a minute into the game. They still can't win. Allen's throwing picks left and right. You're like, what? Is something off? Then two weeks later, they win this weekend by a combined 78-13. to 13. They I didn't even really watch the Bills-Commanders game. Didn't need to. That was an ass-kicking. The Chiefs' first half against the Bears looked like Alabama playing UC Davis or Cal Poly. That was a joke. That was every bit. That first half was as every bit as bad as any stretch in the uh, in the Bronco-Miami game. It was that level. The Chiefs only did it for a half. The, the, the Dolphins did it for like three and a half. But it was just like, you guys are a joke. And one thing you see about the Bills, man, and this is the only my only question about them was, what's going on with Josh Allen? Well, last couple weeks, been good. Did throw a pick against Washington. Ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown. Last week had four touchdowns. Mahomes looked brilliant. Kelsey now, we'll get into him in a second. Looks awesome. Chris Jones, sack a game, looks sweet. Uh, their defense, all those DBs they've drafted the last couple of years making plays. You know, they're just, they're good. <laughs> they really are. And... Uh, just sometimes you just listen, it's human nature. We overreact, but it turns out those teams are fine. And I'm going to end on this Morgan and Morgan, a player that made it look easy. This can only go to one guy. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift guy, though. Back to December, if you go to YouTube and watch the, uh, the live version, I think at the CMAs like 15, maybe 12 years ago. Fantastic. Love that song. I'll never dispute her talent. Uh, you know, she's, I think she's cute. She, I, I wouldn't call her like most beautiful woman I've ever seen, but I get it. I get it. And, and her success as an artist, as a businesswoman speaks. She, she's a, she's a movement in herself. The Swifties. Not even quite sure what that is. I guess it just means you're a diehard fan. Is that like being a Jets fan? It's like I'm a Jets fan or I'm a 49er fan. I'm a Swifty. Same thing. But clearly when Travis has been talking about it through his podcast, like I think he knew. Like, if my guess is they've been talking for a little bit longer. But on a day when the football wasn't that great, especially the afternoon slate, to open up that game with Taylor Swift sitting with the Kelsey's mom, and then he eventually gets a touchdown. I have said it. I'll say it every week. Best reality show on television. I see the Bachelor, uh, Bachelorette or Bachelor is going like with the, uh, you know, the mid-50s version. What they call them, the Golden Bachelor or something. It's like a guy with kind of gray hair, a bunch of older women. That doesn't hold a candle to what you get in the NFL. It just, it doesn't get any better. You can't script this. The star tight end on the Kansas City Chiefs, the, that are in the midst of a current dynasty, is dating the most popular, famous singer. That was cool. And everyone's joking about it. You got Walter Payton's son taking a picture of her. Travis giving the look. Andy Reid joking about they set her up. All the memes, it just it doesn't get it doesn't get any better. I, I found that so entertaining. I've seen I've read a million memes, tweets, Instagrams. Um, it, it made a boring afternoon. Just put a smile on your face. And uh, NFL baby Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift. Looking forward to them eloping here sooner and later. So Morgan and Morgan player who made it look easy. Go to forthepeople.com slash. John, J-O-H-N, or Pound Law. That's pound 529 from your cell phone. Forthepeople.com slash John. If you're ever injured, go check out Morgan & Morgan. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. 
While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, before we dive into the middle cop mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMs. I wanted to hit on two things really quick. And I mentioned this with Colin on Sunday night. Like, the notion of everyone freaking out about Brandon Staley going for it. Have you guys not been watching Brandon Coach? I red flagged this guy his first year as a head coach. Because besides his one year as a defensive coordinator for the Rams, I knew nothing about him. So it's not like I had some big opinion on the guy going into his tenure as the Chargers head coach. But for those of us that live on the West Coast, we just get a lot of regional before, you know, now YouTube TV makes it so easy. But I, I never really had the package because I got so many games, double headers, and I got a lot of AFC and NFC West games. And those are the, you know, the divisions I watch. And then any other game that I need to watch for my work, I just go on the iPad and watch the condensed version rewinds. But I watch a ton of Charger games. Play the Chiefs, play the Broncos, play the Raiders. Like I just I get a lot of their local games, and I have my entire life. So I watch them. And Brandon Staley has been going for it at insane times his entire career as the head coach for the Chargers for two years and now three games. So the freak out, how did he go for it? They had no timeouts left. Just punt it, make him go. That's what he does. 
My issue with him is I think he's a fraud when he talks, and he's not a good defensive coordinator as the head coach. So maybe he would have been a defensive coordinator if that's his only role, and he was in his one shot with the Rams. But when he became the head coach, and he also has to be the leader, and he's the coordinator, they get gashed. But he could be at the one-yard line. He could be at any yard line throughout the field. It has to go 99 yards. He will go for it if the percentage, the analytics, whatever it is, whatever makes him go for it. But that is him, his MO. So when he went for it, I was I couldn't have been any less surprised. My issue was in that game was they were just getting gashed, wide open holes in the run game, passing game, coverages all over the map. No one knows what they're doing. My issue with him is I watch his defenses and I think they are poorly coached because no one knows where to be. And there are constantly wide open guys. It looks like when good college teams play bad college teams. It's like not fair, but this is the NFL. Even if you don't have the personnel, right? It's not like the Texans have a great roster or the Cardinals have a great roster, but they're playing their ass off. And you watch them play, it looks like they're all on the same page. So even if you don't have the talent, you're going to lose to a lot of the better teams. Like Arizona's going to lose to the Niners. And they're going to lose to Seattle. They're going to lose the Rams, I'm sure. Maybe split that, but. Like they're going to be in position. At least they have been so far. Same with D'Amico and, and the Texans. My issue with Brandon Staley is that never takes place. But going for it, like that's that's kind of defined his head coaching career. Going for it. So I don't even know. I, I a little stunned at the reaction. Also stunned at the reaction for Dan Lanning. Listen, I've enjoyed the Dion experience. Just making a program that was completely irrelevant. Relevant. I don't have some like crazy takes over everything he says. And I, I think a lot of people in the quote-unquote media or the talk are trying to get in good with him. Listen, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't care one way or the other. I'm just glad that he's coming to college football and made a program relevant. But like when you're constantly talking a big game, the other team, and in college football, he's going to play teams, he did last week, he's going to play them this week, that are way better than him. So when when he does that, they're allowed to talk shit back. They're allowed to say whatever they want. The reaction, and I saw some clips of like Ryan Clark and different people like going after Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning can say whatever he wants to motivate his team to get his guys ready for recruiting. No different than Dion. The difference is his team's fucking good. Why? Because they've been good for 25 years now. They've been a power. I mean, a power for about a decade. They've had a couple years being a little off. For the most part, once Chip took over, they have been a top 10 level program. They're going to look at Colorado, all their players, and that's who he's talking to, as they don't belong on the field with us, especially with Travis Hunter out. The point of college football, when you're a big dog, when you're Oregon, when you're SC, when you're Oklahoma, when they're good, when you're Alabama, when you're Georgia, when you're Ohio State, when you're Michigan, you look to belittle the opponent. You look to embarrass them, whether their coach talks a lot or not. That's how you operate. So the, the the reaction to the Dan Lanning clip, which I thought was pretty funny, uh, they're, they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. Everyone's like, well, they play for clicks too with all their... It's not the point. He's just talking shit to get his guys motivated to go out and beat the shit out of Colorado, which they did, right? Just like dion has got to say some crazy stuff to motivate his guys. That's their job. These guys are motivating people. I don't understand how everyone gets so worked up, especially these former players. It's like, it's not that deep. It really isn't. Just college football coaches getting the boys ready, right? And Dan Lanning 
you know, he's a defensive guy. So there's just going to be some natural rah-rah into his shit-talking. Who usually has better rah-rah halftime or pregame speeches in football when we get, you know, whether it's hard knocks or any inside look? It's usually the defensive side of the ball. YouTube, Kirby, and Nick, and, and Urban's an offensive guy, but he's really, it feels like more of a defensive guy in the way he operates. Like, th- those guys give good, like, goddamn, I'm ready to run through a wall. Well, who'd Lanning learn from? Last I checked, Kirby Smart. Google Kirby Smart talking about other teams. You talk shit about the opponent to get the boys ready. I just don't get why you're not allowed to say that if you're Dan Lanning. For a limited time, you can save 40% on NFL Plus premium annual subscription when you sign up through Plus Play from Verizon. Plus Play is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once on any screen around you for updates. Never miss a touchdown. And for fantasy football players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming like Fantasy Live through NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performance on Sunday, access to live local primetime games, access to Fantasy Plus. Just go to verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. It's 40% off an annual subscription. That's just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. Let's dive into the mailbag. Add John Middlecoff as the Instagram fire in the DMs. The Dolphins offense is so far beyond everyone else. It's making teams like the Patriots and Jets unwatchable. Are the Finns just that much better? Or do you think there is a lack of talent and maybe more importantly, lack of offensive creativity for the uh, for other NFL teams. Well, who's who's an explosive player on the Patriots offense? Mac Jones is average as the day is long. That's why, listen, I missed on Justin Fields, but I was dead right on Mac Jones. It was a, it would have been a fireable offense drafting him at number three. It, it would have. And Kyle Shanahan's got multiple extensions since. So you, you couldn't do it. And he's he's been worse probably than I even imagined. But look who he's playing with, right? The Jets have Garrett Wilson. Then who else? Brees Hall is a good player, but at this point in time, once Aaron's, you know, in L.A. listening to Dolphins have sex, he's just put 17 guys in the box. So the running backs aren't going to be able to do much. And Zach Wilson, as we talked about earlier, not ideal. Part of it is like Tyreek Hill is one of the greatest players in NFL history. Think about that. One of the greatest players in NFL history. That's how good the guy is. Jalen Waddle is a stud. Raheem Morris is one of the fastest running backs I've ever seen. His play speed in the open field when he gets a lane is stupid. Like it's, It looks like he's you know, in a Ferrari. He's so fast. And then the other dude they got is fast too. We used to say the same thing about you know, the Chiefs. Now is, is, uh, is Tua good enough to maintain this? He's playing damn well. And he's just, their offensive creativity, them, their group as a unit, it looks pretty special. So, yeah, I mean, I would say the only other team, I think the Niners are averaging 30 points, the Bills these last couple weeks. But you score 70 points in a game. Damn. I don't, I don't it's, it's wild. Love the show. Is it time for the Steelers to let go of Tomlin? I know the man is a good coach. His record is great, and he hasn't ever had a losing season. But year after year, they have not been living up to the expectations of what the Steelers usually accomplish. Being average or above average, in the NFL never gets you anywhere, and I feel like they need a change of direction. I may be, uh, I am graduating from college this May, 
and I have not seen a Steelers win a Super Bowl since I was in third grade. God, that makes me feel old. You were in third grade in 09? I don't expect teams to reach deep into the playoffs and win Super Bowls every year, but the expectations for the Steelers must be higher than other teams, especially with the history behind them. Should we stop the never-losing record hype and consider letting him go? I think the one thing you have to question is the Steelers are always going to be good on defense. It's the culture of their franchise. They know what to look like, look for in draft picks. I mean, the Rooney's just, they, they just get it. To me, it starts with ownership on defense. From Hayward to when they trade for Minka to TJ, they just get it, right? Offensively, let's face it, since Ben was younger and Todd Haley and AB and some of those guys, they're just kind of meh. And Tomlin can't influence that. I talked about it with Colin on Sunday night. He could give incredible rah-rah speeches. I would like to hang out with Mike Tomlin. But he can't impact Kenny Pickett. He can't impact the offensive scheme. Just like what was, and I'm not comparing Tomlin to Vic Fangio, but you give these great defensive coordinators disaster offensive situations, and they can't do anything about it. There's nothing. Like Vic Fangio is a elite defensive coordinator, but you make him a head coach and is and he, he doesn't get a big time offensive coordinator slash players on offense, he's kind of in trouble. So my my point being is that I just don't know how the offense ever looks different with this personnel. Their defense is going to be fine. TJ Watt looks like he's going to get 75 sacks this year. But Najee Harris looks slow to me and doesn't have great vision. He's just kind of meh. And I was rooting for Najee Harris. I'm a Najee Harris guy. Dating back to high school. Kenny Pickett, he's, you know, he just he doesn't have the physical attributes of the top guys, so he can only do so much. He's very dependent on the scheme. And clearly, their running scheme, I mean, they struggle to run the ball. I don't necessarily know who you hire, but it's clear. Like, look at McDaniel. Miami gets him. He just, like, revitalizes an understatement. I mean, he just makes them a powerhouse. Kyle and San Francisco, McVay and Los Angeles, they impact the offensive personnel. And I, I think the if you're looking at the pie chart, obviously leadership and motivation and handling pressure, that stuff is so important. And Tomlin can do that, especially at a franchise, which is probably a top five NFL franchise. I'm not even talking value. I'm just talking about importance, the fan base. But he, he can only do so much with the offensive side. So I, I but but who like who's Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan are you hiring? That, that's the problem. I think that's where they're kind of stuck. Like, who, what are they going to do? Fire him and hire, like, uh, Nick Sirianni and keep their fingers crossed, right? Kyle Shanahan wasn't Kyle, or Sean McVay until a couple years in. You realize, oh, you couldn't fire Mike Tomlin for that guy. It sounds easy in theory when you watch these other top offensive coordinators, but it's harder to actually execute it. One other note on Russell. He hasn't played well since Moed passed. I think that was his, like, a mental coach. Haven't seen that discussed anywhere. Trevor is a performance coach, super tight. Yeah, it's it was hard because, you know, when sometimes when me and Colin are on Zoom to like argue over it, and I don't disagree with Russell and Sean not working out, but the other day, like that was that that L's on Vance Joseph. I that L's not on Russell Wilson, though even if he was Seattle superstar Russell Wilson, they're still losing that game. But that, those days are over. I think we have to acknowledge that. So anyone being like, that was not on him. He's been fine. Well, that's true. He's been fine. They're paying him $45 million a year, though. The defense, historic embarrassment. Historic embarrassment. But Russell, 
it just has not been the same guy. And he's not the same guy now. So I, I don't really even know what to say, what's going to happen at this point. It's, listen, I understand people, the narrative that he sucks, he's still, yeah, he's okay. But they're paying him like a top five guy. And at one point in time in his career, he was a top five guy. I feel like the Russell Wilson narrative is really out of control. He's objectively better than last year and somehow is taking the blame. I Listen, I, I don't disagree. I agree with him just sucking is lazy. But also, like, he kind of is the macro. Like, in the micro against the Dolphins, Russell is not the issue. On the macro, he is the issue. He just is. Because Sean Payton is the offensive coordinator slash offensive guy. So if him and Russell, like, is he better? Of course he is. Sean Payton is dramatically better than Nathaniel Hackett as just an offensive play caller, right? Not even close. But Vance Joseph is a separate issue, which we talked about earlier. I, I do believe that Russell, big picture, is a problem for the Broncos. Are there given takes? I mean, there. I said a mil, I saw a million takes on Dan Lanning today that made me just want to throw up in my mouth. It was just so stupid. But I do think the macro issue with Russell is a problem. Been listening for about a year now, and I f- tell everyone I know to listen to the podcast. I like this guy. I've gotten smarter about the game. God, my type of human. So thank you. So three weeks, Jordan Love has not been great completion percentage-wise. 56%. However, watching the game, it appears that he's making the right weeds. Reads. Taking away Dobbs and Watson hasn't even suited up yet this season. So everyone else at the wide receiver and tight end position are rookies. Will his completion percentage as his wide receivers gain more NFL experience should improve? I would be very excited. We talked about him earlier. It's it's a very, very good moment that happened on Sunday. One that you can't manipulate. One that you can't figure out in practice. You have to figure, you can't figure out in the classroom. You figure it out in the field in the fourth quarter. And he showed some moxie. But like, I, I just think this entire season is going to be, and probably he's going to get two years at this rate unless something goes dramatically wrong, is an incredible time to evaluate him on a daily basis in the facility, how he works as the starter, how he is as a teammate, how he is through the good times, the bad times, right? He has a rough game against the Saints. Two weeks ago, uh, especially in the second half, or excuse me, I guess they just played the Saints. Who'd they play? Oh, the Falcons. Two weeks ago, like, you know, I thought that game was there for him. Now, you're right, he's missed Watson. Their inactive list was like Watson, Bakhtiari, uh, uh, Jones, the running back. So, yeah, man, I'd, I'd be excited. And sometimes in football, even if the guy doesn't turn out to be Aaron Rodgers, which newsflash he's not going to be, it's cool to have what you're having. I've said it all along. If he can just be from, you know, they went from Joe Montana to Steve Young to Jeff Garcia. No one's putting Jeff Garcia in the Hall of Fame. But those couple years when the dude was like a legitimate Pro Bowl quarterback did not suck. I remember when I was in high school. It wasn't Steve Young, but it was pretty fun to watch. Then win double-digit games and go to the playoffs. If Jordan Love is just your Jeff Garcia, I would be freaking really excited. He was going, like, back in the Pro Bowl when everyone went and they didn't back out. Like, he was going to real Pro Bowls. If Jordan Love makes a Pro Bowl in the next two years, that's an all-time draft pick. Simple question. Why does Brandon Staley still have a job? Been talking about this team for a long time. Their owner's cheap. And I'll go back to what I talked about earlier. When he goes for it, and he's not alone, right? A lot of teams now, if you're my age, 
if you're over 30 years old and you've been watching football for several decades, you will see coaches go for it now in situations that they never have in NFL history. And they're doing it because the charts that they have on when to and when not to, and the guy telling them, typically a mathematician, a stat major from a you know highly touted university, the owner's cool with it. This starts from the top. The owner gives the go-ahead, right? Like why, when you're a little kid, and I was just home for the weekend, and one parent tells the little kid no, he goes to the other parent because he's hoping to get a yes, right? So if the owner's telling you you're insane doing that, and the GM's like, do not do that, coaches will not do it. But when the owner's like, do it. We want you to do it. We want you to listen to this guy. We're paying this guy from, you know, Wharton or... Harvard or Stanford or Cal or whatever, a lot Vanderbilt, a lot of money, three, four hundred grand. Who knows? These guys make way more than you'd think, and their only job is to kind of run the percentages and have them ready. Do whatever the numbers say. And I think Brandon Staley does that a lot. And as you saw, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it, there was like a 88% win percentage if he got it and 82% win percentage if he punted. So he played the percentage even though there are 7 million variables that those percentages don't take into account, like their running game stinks, uh, and they got denied and got kind of lucky. But he's, I don't even, I I think it would have been a fireable offense if he would have lost that game, not because he went for it, because you just can't lose to the Minnesota Vikings when your quarterback was 40 of 47, 400 yards. But I don't think it would have been a lock that he would have lost his job. Uh, Wouldn't have shocked me, but I don't think it was a guarantee. This is the Chargers. You know, this is the Chargers. After witnessing the Justin Fields meltdown, would you as a team or scout red flag any college position combos coming out of future drafts, such as Ohio State quarterbacks? Failures like Fields prior would have me avoiding the program and uh, the quarterback position. I think you got to be very careful with that. One thing I've learned, not even just from being in the NFL, but doing what I do now and following the stuff so closely is like, Every player is his own individual entity, right? I mean, Joe Burrow, once upon a time, went to Ohio State. So you got to be very careful with that because for a long period of time, you could say, this guy's soft, this program's soft, this program stinks, this program's good. Now, there are themes with certain coaches, right? If you draft a defensive player from Utah or from Michigan, you probably feel pretty good about it, right? If you draft an offensive player from Lincoln Riley, it's it's usually the guy's pretty talented. But just because the offense that they've ran for wh- however long now at Ohio State, though it's changed from Trestle to Urban now to Ryan Day, it's constantly adapting. I, I don't think you can play that. Just because Danny Werfel and Tim Tebow suck, I mean, what if Caleb Williams had gone to Florida? You'd be like, well, you can't draft a Florida quarterback. You can't play that game. I do think you need to take it into account when a player is in a certain offense, right? Look at the Oregon guys historically when Chip and Helfrich were there. You had to be very careful. I, I thought, you know, the Mariota. I never liked Mariota as much. Now, he's worse than I thought he would be in the NFL. But I, I the, the hype machine on him coming out, I thought, was pretty crazy. But I think that's a long-winded way of saying you cannot do that. Because early on in Saban's tenure, it's like, oh, he runs them all into the ground. You get a Nick Saban player, they're all out of juice. I look around the NFL and see a lot of good Alabama players now. 
But early on, it was like, you know, some of their running backs kind of busted. Just some of their players were not as good as, you know, as professionals as they were as many professionals in Alabama, you know, who was doing NIL before the NIL. So I guess that's a long-winded way of saying you just, you got to scout every player for himself. Hey, John, good takes this year. I think your Steelers pick will age well. My question for the pod, is there precedent for firing a defensive coordinator mid-year with a more offensively uh, offensive-minded head coach? Offensively-minded head coach. Sometimes I can't read. I don't. I wonder what question you're asking here. I guess maybe Sean Payton with Vance Joseph. I, I would say I'm sure that there's been coordinator fired in every individual situation. A defensive coordinator fired with a defensive head coach. A defensive coordinator fired midseason with an offensive head coach. I would say a coordinator has been fired in college and pro football in every situation that the offensive and defensive puzzle you can put together. Um, I can't think of one right now, but, you know, I guess it's flip-flop, but, yeah, last year, did he fire? No, he fired a DB coach. I was thinking Dan Campbell fired his DB coach, but kept his defensive coordinator, and he's an offensive head coach. How should the Titans approach this season? Personally, don't believe any quarterback on the roster is the future. Vrabel is way too good to let the team get into a position for one of the top quarterback prospects. Are they headed for quarterback purgatory with the timeline not setting up to the dra- to draft high enough? I'm concerned. I think one thing, the hardest thing to get in football, obviously, is Mahomes or Josh Allen. But th- those guys are so few and far between. The second hardest thing, and honestly, it's probably 1B, and depending on your situation, it might be 1A, is getting Mike Vrabel. So the most important thing the Titans need, they have in Mike Vrabel. So even if you end up winning six games and drafting ninth, why can't they find a quarterback in the second or third round that he can win with? They found Ryan Tannehill, and they won a lot of games with him when most people did not think he was any good. And remember, when they got him, he was Mariota's backup. So I know you guys have drafted a ton of third and second round quarterbacks the last couple of years, but who cares? Just move on. I'm a big believer in modern-day NFL with the money, sunk costs, move on. Guy can't play, see ya, adios, godspeed. If Will Levis isn't the guy, whatever. Draft another quarterback. You're in a shitty spot because you don't have a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. But when's the last time you had a franchise quarterback? When's the last time you had a coach this good? I know Jeff Fisher went to a Super Bowl. I think we'd all agree that Vrabel's a better coach. Like, if, if you had a coach draft, Fisher in his prime or Mike Vrabel in his prime, you're going Vrabel. Okay, last question. Absolutely distraught Bears fan. Had no belief the Bears would win, but this is worse than I've ever felt as a Bears fan. I'm also an Ohio State fan, so I held on as much hope for Justin as long as possible, but it's over. I truly believe the Bears have ruined fields. He seems to be getting worse when most players on the Bears feel like they are regressing. Coaching is awful. The team lying about Allen Williams' situation, just a complete shit show. I've said it before, but if there's not a complete sweep of Hallis Hall, then nothing is changing. Hope CJ can continue to be awesome. I'm jumping on the Texans for the rest of the year. Hope I, I see this is where you're allowed to kind of root for someone else. Your Ohio State guy. I told no one, no Bears fan. Coach K, I don't. You look, you know, maybe you're my age. Maybe you're in your 30s. As long as you're not like 10. If you're over 25, you're allowed to just like I'm not paying attention this year. They have not earned my right. The most valuable thing any of us have is time. 
And the time that we give emotionally to the team, the time that we give them on Sunday, they don't deserve your time. They just do not. Because it's just going to piss you off. Like you said, it's not just getting worse. It's it's unwatchable. It's You got guys, you know, resigning. Listen, people are like, Middlecoff, you said some stuff last week. It was un- unsubstantiated. You don't even know. McAfee said the next day, clearly the feds didn't come to Hallis Hall. Though, I always struggle. You think the Bears would ever admit to anything? But McAfee reported, and I know he's not a reporter, but he knows some people, that the feds went to his house. Now, they claim it's inappropriate, it's not criminal. Regardless, something weird happened. Like, (laughs) we're not born at night, you know. Some of us are born at night, we're not born last night. This isn't that complicated to see. Something shady went down. No one's calling the guy... You know, some of the stuff out there, yeah, it looked kind of crazy and internet rumors took off. But let's not act like, oh, just couldn't get the job done. His schemes weren't working. I hear you. I I don't really know what to say. Coach has lost 13 straight games. 13 straight games. That's, Eberflus might just stink. Like, he just might be really, really bad. And like, the way, I'm not comparing him to Tomlin, but in the same vein of defensive guy, has no impact on offensive players. So what can he do to Justin Fields beside like, keep your head up, run around, bro? <laughs> like, what, what can he really say? He can't break down their offensive scheme. He can't break down if he's having a mechanical issue. He can give, you know, rah-rah speeches. But how do you give rah-rah speeches when you've lost 13 straight games? And you're getting mollywhopped. Like you said, you're playing the Chiefs. On the road, what what was going to happen? Exactly what happened. But maybe could it be like 17-10 at half? And it's like, you know what? We gave a fight. Instead, we just kind of laid down and died. After coach resigned slash fired, uh, Fields had a disastrous comments. And it just feels like they're a rudderless ship. And there's nothing worse in football than being a rudderless ship. And this is where you, like, I understand Patriot fans be like, God, this this kind of sucks watching this team. I get it. But you've won for 20 years, you have to. If you're a Bears fan, like, your teams always suck. You've had a couple years over the last 15, right? Post-Erlacher and, and Peppers. But it's just, this is, this is a new low. And I'm all for experiencing the lows to enjoy the highs, right? Which is true. In our personal and professional lives, adversity and struggle make the good times more rewarding. As a sports fan, it's one thing to lose. It's one thing to have devastating losses, right? The Bills a couple years ago, the game they lost to the Chiefs. I mean, that's an all-time kick in the dick, right? The Saints, the one playoff game, they've had multiple, right? The one to the Rams where they didn't call the P.I., the the miracle at the Meadowlands, or Meadowlands, is that what it's called? The Minnesota miracle, it happens. It's another thing to happen what's going on with the Bears, where your quarterback is looks like a JV player, and your team just looks awful. I mean, it just looks like they have no talent. The Chiefs, by about early on in the second quarter, is like, oh, this thing, they're going to start clowning them. Like, th- this is not, this feels like Alabama versus Vanderbilt on a Saturday afternoon in 2016. Like, they are just going to undress them. Listen, sometimes you get beat. It's football. It's the NFL. It's really hard. It's another thing. Like, the Raiders, right? They're 
they're not going to win that many games. But, they, you know, they have their moments throughout games. Like, the Bears just <laughs> doesn't even feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And the other thing I think people probably worried about in the back of their mind, like, what if Caleb and his dad refused to come play for us? Because that would, that would officially be the lowest moment in Bears history. If Caleb and his dad, you guys had the number one pick, and he just said, don't draft us. We will not come. They say, you build it, they will come. <laughs> they say the opposite. You pick us, we ain't showing. Now, I personally call it bluff, but that several month span of February, March, April, leading up to the draft, everyone would be making fun of you. And rightfully so. Like, usually when you get made fun of in football, you've earned it. I saw it with the 49ers and Jim Tom Sula. They earned that. I've seen it with the Raiders at all different times. <laughs> Happens a lot to them. They usually earn that. It's not a thing like guy drops a ball, guy does a dumb play. It's You're dealing with humans. It happens. It's another thing like, I'm sorry last week with the Bears. Like, that's a, that's a complete embarrassment. Like, that's unacceptable for a high-level operation. Unacceptable. It, it really is. And I, I mentioned this to Colin. I, I've known people that work there. For being this massive franchise in one of America's biggest cities, they are much more closely associated with the way their mindset is as a franchise to like your mom and pop deli than they are to the way the e- I've seen the way the Eagles look and operate. They operate like they're a Fortune 500 company. They do not fuck around with finances, with big thinking. It's not true with the Bears. So when they're in this situation, it kind of starts with the ownership. It's always funny when coaches win. It's easy if you win to like hug Jerry Jones or an owner that has had success or made a lot of money. It's always when a team hasn't won forever and you like give the game ball or high five like Michael Bidwell or McCaskey. You know, I was like, what a, do you really respect this person? No, you just know they're the kid of the kid of the person that bought the team back in 1947. I don't know if that's the actual date, but don't get mad at me, Bears fans. Appreciate it. Talk to everyone later. We got a lot of mailbag questions coming up, a lot of podcasts coming up. Keep rocking and rolling, baby. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.